This episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Club in Real Life, our live event in San Diego, March 12th through 14th. Get your tickets now at thecopywriterclub.com forward slash T-C-C-I-R-L. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 176 as we chat with our event planner for TCC IRL, Elaine Wellman, about planning events of all sizes, why it can be a good idea to work with an event planner, why some events are life-changing while others are kind of blah, and how events can deepen client connections. Welcome, Elaine. Hey, Elaine. Hey, you guys. Been so long since we talked yesterday <laughs> for our meeting. <laughs> so, like, all we do is talk to you lately uh, since we are in the throes of planning a pretty big event with you. Yes, we are a month away, as Elaine likes to remind us. Um, it stresses me out a little bit to think about it. But, um, Elaine, we met you three years ago at our before our first event in New York City. Um, Prerna Malik had introduced us. And I think we were, I'm remembering we were like halfway through the planning process when we were just like, oh, we need help. Um, And luckily we met you and you were able to kind of swoop in and uh, help us produce the event, the first event and make it a success. So you've been integral to the process and you've also seen how the event has evolved. Uh, We're going to get into all of that, but let's just first start with your story. How did you get into this business? How did you end up as an event strategist and planner? Yeah, um, it wasn't really by design. Um, and I'll, I'll guess I'll try to give you the short version here because we have a lot to talk about. Um, but I majored in college in communications and went into public relations. And um, you, some of your copywriters might be able to relate to the PR industry. I don't know, but it is a huge like burnout job for sure. <laughs> and um I ended up at an agency, a really small company that kind of morphed from PR to doing a lot of events. And in public relations, the area that I was in, I, I did events for my clients, but my you know major focus was on getting publicity for them. And I always liked events because they're really tangible as when you're working on them. You know, it's something that you create and you see it and you bring it to life and then it ends, unlike getting publicity, which is kind of this un, unending, everlasting you know, the project. Um, and so I always liked events. And then the company I worked for just kind of morphed into focusing on events, getting a lot of event uh, clients it was pretty unique. The owner is French and we got all these um, French companies that were doing events in New York and ended up doing a lot of trade shows, really small boutique trade shows, um, a little bit upscale, which was great training grounds because in in a trade show there's so many audiences you know there's the attendees the visitors my own client the trade show owner the speakers the exhibitor i mean there's just a lot of different um audiences so that was really great training ground and one of the big clients did their big show was in monaco so for like 10 years i went to monaco every year on a business trip so that was really great um 
And along the way, I actually got certified as a coach and kind of floundered around, you know, um, in what area I was going to specialize in um, with my coaching business and eventually put it all together and came back to what I can kind of do with my eyes closed, which is events. Um, And then, you know, switched up my coaching business to focus on events and retreats and eventually brought the coaching back in um, to help people kind of like DIY their event if they're not really ready yet to invest in, um, you know, higher level done for you support like you guys do. Um, So then I, I work with people in that way through my group program. So the French company you worked at, that was Publicis, right? Actually, no, I did work at Publicis. Because um, I was going to say, we found this connection that you and I had both worked at Publicis. Did. At one point. And that was like the major burnout. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. For me, Publicis, too. <laughs> Publicis bought um, a, an agency, a PR agency that I was working for that was VP of the consumer group. And that, it was the big group and kind of like the, the key to why they bought it. And then that was kind of that year was... I made the most money that year in corporate that they bought the company and it was like the worst year of my work life at the same time. So, Yeah. Interesting. I, I wouldn't describe my experience as awful when I was a publicist, but it was a lot of work there. Were, I mean, it was definitely the kind of thing that you could burn out from. So, um, so jumping forward then like that first client that you did on your own, tell us about how that project came about. You know, as you are branching out onto your own, you're not doing it with the company, not planning, events with a company anymore, but doing your own thing. Oh, that's kind of interesting. So I was, um, I, I was, I was working still part-time for that small event company and working on my coaching business, which I, that went through a lot of changes. At first I was like working on happiness cause I'd kind of gotten over my own depression. And then I switched that, um, wording, um, hello, copywriters to mindset, because that seemed to resonate more. Um, and then I eventually was like, Oh, I have all this marketing background, let me do mindset and marketing. But I was really never able to get that coaching business going. I think a lot of it was my own mindset crap. Um, but I so one day in the mastermind group I was in, I basically like surrendered my business and I was like, oh, my God, you know, it's like you're in the Facebook group getting ready for your mindset call. What's working? What's not? And I'm writing my business is not working. Oh, my God. Am I going to say this out loud? Um, and I did. And um, a couple of weeks later, my coach said, I got a download and yoga. I'm going to call you. And she said, I know you probably don't really want to do events, but I'm getting proposals for an event this summer. Do you want to give me a proposal? And I did. And then the next thing she did was a retreat in Costa Rica. I'm like, well, yeah, that's really fun. (laughs) And so I kind of just sat back for a little while and I ended up getting on her team and doing various things on her team, including several events and retreats and some other projects, still working part time. And after about a year of doing that, I was like, okay, yeah, this is where I wouldn't put my stake in the ground. I'm, I'm loving the event and retreat work. Yeah. And how, how can we deal with the mindset piece of it? Because we're talking about mindset here when you are pivoting and it is hard to realize my business isn't working, something's not right, or maybe I'm just not into it. How, how do you recommend copywriters handle that when that happens? So that it doesn't feel like a failure, but it just feels like a next step and you handle it with more grace rather than 
um, just pushing back from it. Well, I love what you said, Kara, because it's so easy for us to you know, beat ourselves up and we're such the success driven society and what that means and all that. But everything does lead us, you know, to where we, where we got, you know, I mean, you know, if I hadn't been burnt out at publicists, I wouldn't have gotten into events in the first place. You know what I mean? So even though that was the horrible year of my life, if that didn't happen, I would be in a totally different place. So, I mean, it's definitely real and it's definitely challenging, but I think being gentle with yourself is really important and um, giving yourself some space, which is what I did. Like I said, I mean, I did have a part-time job still, so I had some money coming in. But once I surrendered that business, I, I was like, I don't have to figure this out today or this month because now I was working on my coach's team with and with the part-time job. And I was like, let me just sit here. And I sat there for like a year. Um, and then I said, yeah, this is, this is right for me. So give yourself space to, to, you know, have it work out and not feel like you have to figure it out. I think we get in trouble too. And we were like, we, I have to figure this out, you know, as opposed to really tapping into your heart and see what the universe offers you too. What's it going to bring you, you know? So I, I like that. And it kind of feels like the same thing happens when somebody decides, well, maybe I need to do an event. It kind of feels like that's what happened when we decided to do our first event. It, it sort of came together on its own. And so maybe we could talk just a little bit about how do you take that same, uh, you know, go with the floor, let the, let the things happen. But apply it to the idea that maybe you want to hold an event for, you know, your small group or for a large group. Like, how do we apply that so that we can make sure? Does this question make sense? I'm not, maybe it doesn't even make sense. It's a smooth, it's a smooth transition. Yeah. Rob, I'm impressed. How, like, how can we apply that so that our first event is actually a, a success? Um, yeah, I can work with that, Rob. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm a I terrible, say, I should learn how to ask questions. After <laughs> it's many episodes. I would say um, there's an area to apply it and an area not to apply it. Okay. Don't apply that go with the flow to the planning, which you guys probably would agree with, but do apply that to what actually happens when you're there. because. You can have everything scripted to the minutiae detail to the second and everything planned. And it's not going to go like that when it actually happens. There's always something that happens. There's crazy things that some of my friends say I should write a book about all the crazy stuff I've seen, you know. <laughs> um, so that that's when you need to go with the flow is really when you are live. I mean, definitely be prepared. And be prepared for something to go wrong or be different and to be able to pivot. Um, you know, if, if it's like your, your content isn't landing or it's over their heads and you need to back up and go deeper here and cut this out, like that's where you really need to be able to pivot and go with the flow. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I want to dig deeper into that. But first, I feel like we should back up and just talk about you know, I think it's easier for a copywriter listening to just be like, why do I even need to know about this or care? I'm not in the event business. I'm just trying to get my business going. Um, so what would you say as far as what you've seen and how clients have scaled up their businesses and evolved their businesses using events? Why are events 
important to a lot of business owners, including copywriters. Yeah. And we'll talk about some good copy. There was an article in Entrepreneur, I think it was in 2018 now, um, and Entre- Entrepreneur Magazine. And the title of the article was Why Events, Live Events Are Rocket Fuel for Your Business. Ooh. Like, I don't even need to say more than that, really, right? Um, and what the article did was they interviewed a bunch of CMOs at, you know, big, big top companies, but it really, you know, relates to smaller businesses like we have. And those big companies are investing more in live events and putting more of their marketing budget to live events because they're not getting the return on investment at the same level with digital and online. I mean, online is great. Technology is great, but it's not the same as being in the room face-to-face, belly-to-belly, heart-to-heart with your clients and potential clients. And, you know, I'm sure that's, that's one reason you guys do it because the community you guys is so, you have is so amazing. So if, if it's working for the smaller companies, it can work for us too. And that's why people should think about it. I mean, there's no, you know, talk about building no like, and trust. If you're in the room together, you are really able to build the no like, and trust. Yeah. So I can imagine that somebody's listening, thinking there's no way I'm doing an event and they may even have in mind, you know, these huge events or even a smaller event like ours, which is, isn't huge, but it's not tiny. Um, for a first event, you know, if a, if a copywriter's thinking, okay, well, maybe I should explore an event and get a couple of clients in the room. What are the options? You know, what kinds of things can you do so that you can pull off that connection building experience? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked me that, Rob, because I think a lot of people do think it's got to be this big production with tons of, you know, things happening. And it can be a two hour workshop at a co working space. You know, I mean, I'm not opposed. I don't know if this works for, you know, your listeners or not, but I'm not opposed to people doing stuff in their living room if they have the space. You know, I mean, that might be more for like a life coachy kind of thing for a vision board workshop or something. But there, you know, you can do something at, you might be able to get a free room at the library or the chamber of commerce or something like that, you know? So you can definitely start small and um, just think about what you're going to be able to do for your people. You know, it's kind of, I see this kind of like we do with sales, you know, when you think that you're selling something to somebody, it can feel icky. But when you think about how you're able to serve and help, as opposed to selling or serve and help live and in person um, that helps with the mindset piece, I think. Okay. So the serve and help part is really important. And I, I, like my next question then is, okay, let's say I do want to do some kind of an event. I'm probably thinking it's going to be smaller, a workshop or that kind of a thing. What are the things that I need to consider or put in place so that I make sure that the content or the experience is going to serve and help the people that I'm going to invite? Well, here is a news flash for everybody that will probably make you guys laugh. <laughs> um, the the everybody's default is too much content. You don't need. <laughs> don't need to are you just that. talking to us, Elaine? Yeah. <laughs> for us, you know, it's our weakness. Um, but with you guys, it comes from. I know it comes from you. It's intentional. Generosity. With us. Well, yes, yeah, it's it intentional. Is. 
we'll get more into that when we talk about TCC. But, um, you know, everybody's everybody's default. And this goes for like what we do online too, a lot of times, right, is to just put in too much content. And um, you don't need to do that. In fact, the first time I held an event for myself, um, I was so glad I did this. It was like a full day workshop. And the night before I went through all the sections and looked at what can I cut out if I am running behind time and I don't have to stand there at the front of the room, like, Oh my God, what do I cut out? You know, I just knew, and I did cut a section out and I was able to do that quickly and smartly and intentionally without it, like messing up the flow of the event, you know, or changing the experience really for the people. So one thing is you don't need as much content as you think. And um, I would also say, you know, it's you like I mentioned before, you really have to let go of perfectionism. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. People are going to remember the, the connection that you create and the experience um, that you provide. At the same time as that comes out of my mouth, I'm also thinking about like when I've been at an event and there's then the coffee's not out or something and it really annoys me, you know, so do try to pay attention to details um, at the same time and, you know, make sure that it's like as comfortable as possible as it can be for your attendees. Okay. Yeah. And and I just want to also add, you know, we're talking about why copywriters should care about events and at least explore it as an option. You know, a big part of our success with the Copywriter Club has been because of the in-person component and um, helped our brand evolve and helped the community component. I think it's mostly because when you plan an event, you're doing what others won't do. And so I know, I know James Wedmore talks a lot about that. He's like, I always think about doing the things in my business that the majority of my competitors won't ever do because it's too hard or it's too much of an investment or it's too much of a risk or it's just too, you know, it's just too difficult. And so I think that's part of what Rob and I talk about often is just like, is this worth doing? Um, And it always is. But the reason why it's worth doing also is because a lot of other people won't do it. Um, And then also just like for a lot of copywriters, so many copywriters in our community want to speak on stage um, and talk about it. And it's almost like their hidden desire that they don't want to share, but it's, it's in them. And so for a lot of copywriters who aren't necessarily getting invites to speak on stage or to, to run workshops, you can plan your own. If you weren't getting the invites then set up your own. So if it is even on a smaller scale and you're not even ready to work with someone like Elaine, you could start planning your own so that you can step into that spotlight and grab the mic, even if you aren't getting those invites yet. So I think there are lots of reasons to start thinking about it for uh, for copywriters. Beyond that, Elaine, um, I'd love to hear from you and kind of dig more into TCC in real life because it is coming up and you've seen it evolve. I would love to just hear from you, like your perspective on how it's evolved over the last few years and like what some of our challenges have been um, and then what some of our strengths are as far as the event goes. And we can be real. We don't, you don't have to hold back. We can talk about the hard parts and some of our, you know, potential weaknesses, right? Because we do add a ton of content. It's intentional, but in many ways, people would look at that and say that doesn't work well for us. We, we make it work, but what else would you share about our event? Um, well, I, I, we definitely do have a jam packed schedule and, uh, we do make it work. And I think that, you know, 
one of the challenges you guys have really is that you are so generous and overgiving. So the event is full of content and is full of special activities and special surprises. And, you know, I'm the one going like, how does that fit into the budget? You know, it's like, are you sure you need to do that? Um, and that's your, your generosity. And I, I mean, first of all, my favorite thing about TCC IRL is really the community. I mean, you guys have such an amazing community. I, I just, you know, love it and met so many amazing copywriters um, that I look forward to seeing to seeing again, you know, at the, at this year's event. Um, and, you know, I, I think that you guys have stayed true to your original vision. If I go back to like year one, which um, I came in later than you even said in year one, Kira. It was like it was like I think like six or eight weeks before, and you guys yeah. were connect, you know. Um, yeah. But you guys did have a clear vision from the start, and I think that that vision has stayed pretty consistent, and it's just expanded and and grown. You know, that's how I see it. Um, but you definitely add some, you know, fun activities and surprises. So. It's even though we have two full days of speakers, it's not an event where you're just sitting in a conference room for two days and that's it. And even with the conference room, um, you know, when I say that, I picture, you know, that like windowless, yeah. generic oh, yucky conference awful. room. But we've also been able to find, I think, really cool uh, venues, even though they are hotel ballrooms. Um, that, you know, work with your brand and they're fun and quirky and in some way, you know, um, and that really is an extension of the brand and the experience, I think, too. And I don't know if I answered everything. Feel free to ask me whatever. I, I kind of wanted you to insult us more and tell us all the bad things <laughs> we're doing. You're yeah, actually we'll really that. nice. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> But you, you kind of tease some of these extra things that, that we do, and we probably should mention, you know, what some of them are. So, you know, one of the things that I, at least uh, negative experiences that I've had at conferences that I've been to is when you go and you don't actually know anybody there, or you might know of somebody, but you're not like really close personal friends. And so you end up spending a day or two alone and that can like ruin the conference, or if it doesn't ruin the conference, you know, the content is still good and you're still learning, but it just, it's not a great experience. And so, you know, we have done things like organizing dinners for anybody who wants to go out to dinner. They pay their own way, but we put everybody in a group with say six to eight other people. And oftentimes one of the speakers and they kind of organize that thing and they, they go and it just, it's a way to create community and to meet new people, share experiences that has resulted in not, not just like, you know, friendship at the event, but people who have, you know, gotten to know each other over time, they share leads. There may even be a partnership of some sort that comes from those kinds of things. And this year we're not only doing it for one of the dinners, but we're also going to organize those groups for one of the lunches. Uh, and so those kinds of things happen at our event. And I think there may be other events that do something like that, but I think it's kind of unique no, uh, for our so. space. I don't think other events do it because it's a pain to do. Yeah, I mean, really, like, to we take everyone's interest I'm if they sure want to participate. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's Rob's watch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. 
<laughs> Great. Um, but yeah, I don't think other events do it because it's, again, it's like, it's not easy and it's a pain to do it because we take everyone's, um, everyone's preferences as far as like, who do they want to hang out at the event with? Who, what type of copy do they write? Um, and we take that information and then we curate it and put people in specific groups based off their preferences. So a lot of time goes into it and it's a little bit nutty, but it, it pays off. And I know for a fact, other events don't do that. And it goes back to Rob, what you were saying about showing up at an event and not knowing anyone. I think another thing that happens at events I go to is that I go to an event and I know a couple of people and I end up hanging out with them most of the time. And, and I like those people. And yeah, I could walk up to strangers. Like it's on me. I could walk up to strangers and say hi. And sometimes I do that. But I feel like it's the event host's job to introduce people. Like that's the point of the event so that you can meet new people and you're not hanging out with the same five people over three days. So that's what we do try to do, knowing that part of it is up to the attendee to reach out to new people. But part of it is our job to facilitate that type of networking. I think that this is truly what makes this event unique for sure. And I was actually just talking to a friend yesterday who had been to an event, um, a coaching event that we know the coach. She knew some, I've been to the event in the past. She knew some people there, but that she ended up having lunch by herself for two days because even the people she knew were, they were like really clicky and, (laughs) you know, and she was like, yeah, finally the last day I was like, I don't have anybody to go to dinner with. Can I go with you guys? You know, and that can easily, easily happen. And you guys just really, truly, I think, care so much about your community and the people that come and what people walk away with from this experience that you just go above and beyond. And I'm not saying that because you guys are my clients, um, but I really do think that that is a huge thing that makes this event different and special. Yeah. One of the things that I've heard uh, people say oftentimes when you go to events that it, the magic doesn't really happen uh, during the presentations or in the conference room itself, but it happens, you know, at the bar afterwards or, you know, in those discussions. And so you know, we have tried to facilitate that a little bit. Uh, and we, you know, we have a cocktail party at the end that has at least the last two years, you know, a group of people went from the cocktail party out to a couple of clubs, you know, may have ended up at a deli in the middle of the night and, you know, fun things happen. And again, that's, that's where relationships happen. And so we do try to facilitate some of that stuff. So how about the flip side? Uh, what yeah. is this? What are the things we're doing wrong, Elaine? And why are, you know, why should people say, my gosh, there's no way I would go to that conference. Because yeah, let's they, tell people so why they shouldn't go. Thing. Yeah, let's convince what? people not to go now. <laughs> really good for no. ticket sales. I mean, I, I do. I tell everybody this, you guys, you guys are my favorite clients. So if you want me to say bad things, that's on the record now. <laughs> this is getting published. You- now, now, that, now you're going to hold it over me. Um, but um, I mean, the things that could be, I wouldn't say wrong, but, you know, and this is a common situation with event leaders. Um, you know, we can get excited about all those special add-on things we can do or the extra stuff we could put in the gift bag. And it's always important to go back and, you know, 
look at the budget and look at the purpose of the event and decide like, is this a shiny object? Do I need this? Is it really critical or serving? Do I have, if I have the budget for it, fantastic, let's do it. And if not, then let's cut it, you know, because in the end, a lot of event leaders, it, it, can be very common to put together maybe an amazing event, but not walk away with money in your pocket. And it is a lot of work, you know? So that's why um, so many event leaders do have an offer at the end. You know, it might not be a hard sell event, but there is a way for the attendees to continue working with the leader. Um, And that's an offer that you can make at an event to increase, you know, your profits from the event. Um, and, and with that too, I go back to that, you know, serving is selling motto. Cause some people get worried about making an offer like, but you'd also don't want to leave your people hanging. What if they want to go to the next step or go deeper or continue with you and you don't make an offer, you don't give them that opportunity. Right. Um, so one thing with you guys, I think, yeah, is the budget and we're terrible at making money with events. That's for sure. We, we, yeah, we, that's yeah. true. That's safe to say. I don't help in that department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kira's like, the, we're going to do this. And Rob's the, wait, that's the budget person. And then me too. I'm sitting there. But you guys do, oh. um, you have expanded your business though and build up your programs through the event, right? Yeah. So it definitely, you know, we talk a little bit about the think tank while we're there and obviously people, you know, hear about some of the things that we do while we're there. And so while we have never, you know, made money with an event, um, it certainly has helped our business in other ways. Yeah. Cause I'm flipping it now and I'm interviewing you for a second. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, because I think the other thing, because there's kind of two models I see for events too. And one is where the focus, what ROI do you want? And sometimes the ROI really is profit focused. And sometimes it's more um, like visibility or marketing focused where you are really up leveling your position in your market and how people see you. And I think that the event has done that for you guys, has it not? Yeah, I would agree it has for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but it's definitely not, you know, we don't look at this as we're going to walk away, you know, with our wallets stuffed full of money. You know, we it's not a big money maker for us. In fact, we haven't made money yet. Uh, we'll be lucky to break even, but it de- it definitely helps us in other ways. And, and not only that, but like we have created the event that we want to attend. Like, you know, if we could only attend one event, a year, it would be this one simply because the people we really enjoy hanging out with are there. The people that um, are on stage are people we want to learn from and people who can help us grow our businesses and as well as the other people in our community. And so uh, we have it kind of for selfish reasons as much as, as any other. Yeah, we are. We are quite selfish people. This is just a party. <laughs> it's just really an excuse to throw a party with all of our friends and learn a little bit along the way. Um, but I'd love to hear Elaine about the money side of it too, because it is more taboo. And I mean, we're openly saying like we haven't made money on the event. Uh, but I'd love to know what you've seen, uh, industry wide in different types of events, I guess more along the the lines of our event size around 150 people, 200 people, I mean, without naming names, but do you see events making a ton of money on average or are most of them losing money and focus on the brand building or what what do you see behind the scenes? 
I think mostly I see um, people doing events to fill their programs, you know, and that can totally work. And they, it might be events that are similar to yours, but, and maybe they're, you know, three full days with less few, far fewer speakers, um, you know, where the leader is doing most of the presentation with some other speakers involved with some panels, maybe, and some other, you know, bells and whistles kind of activities, but really focused on the expertise of that coach. Um, and then, you know, that leading into filling their, their mastermind or something like that. And that is a model that works when you do it right. And you have the right audience. Um, and the right offer, you know, that's another thing with that kind of event. If any copywriters are thinking about doing something like that, you have to make sure that the journey that you're taking people on during the event, which is how I like to see it, it's a journey that you're taking them on matches with the offer that you're, that you're offering. And I've been at events where there was a mismatch, you know, and like the audience wasn't matched to the level of the content. So the, the offer didn't. So like the content and the offer were matched, but the audience wasn't matched. So all three of those really have to be a good fit for that to work. Yeah, that makes sense. So can we talk maybe a little bit about the difference between an event that you know somebody walks away and says, says that was amazing. You know, I, it, maybe it helps me up level my business in some way or change my life in some way versus the, the event where you go and you leave and you think eh, that that didn't help me that much. Is it content? Is it something else that makes an event actually amazing? Yeah, I think there is tangibles and, and, intangibles and is that a word intangibles intangibles (laughs) that go into that to that magic i mean if we look at kind of a model that was popular in the past that is not as popular now there there used to be a lot of those conferences where it was you know 500 people or a thousand people in the room and the leader is just like spewing you intentionally to to be overwhelmed with content so that you buy their stuff. But one of my friends says, buy my shit so that you buy their shit, uh, you know? Um, and, and cause you just are so overwhelmed and confused. You're, you like, don't know what to do. And I think that that worked for a while. And then everybody kind of got on the authenticity bandwagon and people are kind of hip to that game. Um, so I think, there's definitely a magical mix kind of that I might not be able to express with a great event, but when people feel like they truly connected, I mean, really let's go to Brene Brown. Everybody wants to belong. Right. And that's one thing that's so special about you guys, because you really create that space where people get that sense of belonging, you know? So when you, when you have great content, inspiring content, content that leads people to take some action or think about their life differently or their business differently mixed with that magical sense of belonging. I think that's when people are really blown away. I would love to hear about the branding component of this, which is kind of woven into everything you've shared. And you mentioned it earlier, but how can we build our brand and weave it through our events, whether again, it's a smaller retreat, maybe it's our first event or a workshop or a larger event. 
what are the key components you've seen that are really important so that the event is an extension of your brand? Um, I think this goes partly to budget. I mean, one thing is, you know, um, kind of obvious pieces like we do with you guys with signage, you know, and, and there are ways to create great signage very affordably. Um, and so it can be the visual. And if you're not there yet, then you can do without that, because that can also be an area where people can spend when they don't have the budget. You know, you can do an event without signage. It's okay. You know, <laughs> um, but th- so there is the visual, which does us can in- include the venue. Like, you know, we mentioned a venue that's on brand for you. Um, it's really great, especially when you're getting more into like t- retreats. Um, if you can tie the, the local ambiance mythology folklore of the area where you are in with what you're teaching and have it support your teachings as opposed to like, you know, going to some exotic, exotic, amazing destination and sitting in the conference room for two days and not do it. You could be anywhere, right? A lot of people do that. It's like, why go there if you're not going to experience and weave that into, um, your material in a way that is supporting the teachings, right? Even your promotion. I, I love, I, I got the email that you just sent out about puzzles and Barbies that related to the event. And I loved it. And I think it really shows, again, it shows several things that we've talked about. It shows flowing in the moment because you're talking about like, you know, we plan all this stuff and we really don't know what the heck's going to happen until we get there. And the magic is when we're all there together, you know, so, um, that, but that is on brand for you guys, you know, that whole, your whole messaging approach. That's what's coming to mind. I don't know if that was juicy enough, but. I think, I think that's good. Let's talk a little bit about getting the right people into the room. Uh, and I'm not necessarily talking about the speakers necessarily, but how do you, you know, if I'm a copywriter and I'm thinking, okay, right, I'm listening to Robin Kara, I think I will do some kind of an event. Maybe it's a workshop or maybe, you know, it's um, going to be some kind of a, a half day presentation on, you know, better copywriting or something for my clients. Like, how do I get the right people in the room to listen to me to uh, who are going to be interested in what I have to say? Well, one thing I do advise people, just like with anything that you're selling, and maybe you're doing a free event too, but let's just use selling for the for the moment with that. You have to have something to sell. In this case, it would be your event and people to sell it to, right? So you do need to have some level of you know community or base there to market it to, to begin with. Um, and then after that, you just have to ask. It's so simple, but we all hate it. Like, we would all love to be able to send out an email or two and sell at our event, you know, and unless you're somebody like Gabby Bernstein or something like that, or Oprah, that ain't going to happen probably, you know, and you have to put, put a promotional campaign in place and follow it and don't give up that that's a big mistake. I see a lot of people make, and this relates to selling events and anything, you know, is that you don't go to the finish line. And I encourage my clients to 
think about it like you are a professional athlete. You know, the basketball team can be losing by 20 points with five seconds left and they don't walk off the court. They play their hearts out till the end. And that's kind of the mindset that you need to embrace when you are promoting. You have to keep promoting, keep promoting. Um, Remember, people don't see every post. They don't read every email. They don't see every Facebook live you do or whatever. And you just, and personal reach outs are the best way to fill anything, which again, we don't want to hear that because we want to push the button and have it be magic. But and if you even think about the huge coaches doing big events, a lot of them have people picking up the phone and calling their clients and potential customers saying, Hey, did you get the invitation? Are you coming? You know, so it's not just the smaller guys that have to do that, the big, um, big, you know, superstars do that too. So it's really just getting the word out every way that you can and inviting people to come. Yeah. I mean, that is the hardest part. It's just filling the seats and it, it may be starting small if it's your first event and doing something that is local and inviting local people, because the hardest part is, is not just selling the ticket. It's you're, you're asking people to give time away from their families, time away from work, investments in flights. So that is a big ask. Um, and it takes, it takes time to build that trust um, and sell those types of tickets. But you could start smaller again with a local event where you're just pitching to local people and all they have to do is show up for an hour. It's a lot easier to sell that. And I do want to touch on one other thing that Rob um, mentioned is getting the right people in the room. Because um, I think with that older model of like, let's get a thousand people and overwhelm them so that they have to buy our thing. Like that was about um, the official phrase that we have in the event businesses, butts and seats. Um, You know, that was about getting as many butts and seats as possible. And as we have moved um, in business more towards, you know, authenticity, it's, it's about getting the right people in the room. Cause like I mentioned earlier that you can have a room full but they're not the right people. And if you're trying to sell something, it's not going to sell, right? Like that mismatch. So these days I'm less focused with my clients about filling every possible seat and more focused on getting the right people in the room. And sometimes that means you have to make sure that you're not getting the wrong people in the room because the wrong people can also ruin the experience, you know, and you're, if you're focused too much on filling the seat and so you're inviting like, your your downer friends to come to fill seats so it isn't an optic that those downer friends are going to bring the energy in the room down right so um getting the right people is important i'm not bringing any downer friends (laughs) i've done that before i've done that before i hosted an event and i invited my brother's friend to bartend and he just like kind of ruined part of the event because he just got wasted and like offended everybody at my event. So I learned the lesson the hard way. Um, All right. So I'd love to hear more about the stress-free part of what you do, which kind of incorporates some of your your coaching background. Can we talk about how to deal with events when things might be stressful or things go wrong or you're in it from the perspective of a host and like what Rob and I are about to step into? how to handle stress as a host, how to handle stress as a presenter, and how to handle stress as an attendee. Because 
Um, you know, we have a lot of introverts in our audience and some of them don't go to events very often. And it can be anxiety ridden when you go to an event for the first time or, um, and not very often. So Elaine, could you speak to like how to manage that kind of anxiety and stress from those three different perspectives? Okay. I'm going to start with the, I'm going to back up and add one, I think, and that is the planning phase. And really it's all about being prepared. And as we've mentioned, being flexible too, right? But be, if you planning can be overwhelming, and I actually have like a seven-step um, planning cycle process that I take my my clients through, and I lead my group coaching clients through, so that you know exactly what you need to focus on when. I mean, if you've never done this before, you're it's just like, oh my god, there's so much to do. Where do I start? Right? So we go through this seven-step process so that you know what you should focus on. And anytime you get overwhelmed, you can just go look at this. I have a PDF if you want to give it to your folks, that's cool, um, of the process, right? And then because when you know what you need to do next, you can get out of overwhelm as opposed to just spinning. Um, And that is also where it does benefit you to get some sort of professional help if you can, because there are just so many things that you don't know. You don't know what you don't know if you've never done an event before. And that's what can end up costing you a lot of money and later. Right. Um, and then as the host, I mean, as the host and the speaker, it's probably pretty similar. And first of all, you have to expect the unexpected. Every time I told myself, in my 20 year, you know, career that I've seen it all, something else happens and I've never seen it all. So now I know I've never seen it all. I mean, last year, a helicopter crashed onto a high rise in Midtown Manhattan, and I was supposed to be having an event that night in that building, which clearly we couldn't get in. So, you know, you've just never seen everything, right? So that's where when you're live, letting go of that perfectionism really comes in. And remembering your purpose and always connecting back into the purpose. And the purpose of your event isn't that everything stays exactly on time and that, you know, every ounce of food that you give the attendees is perfect and that, you know, this happens at this time or whatever. It's really about the experience that you're creating. And if you get caught up in something that's going wrong, that's going to take you out of creating that great experience. Whereas if you can just flow with it, then, and you can even joke about it. You know, it's not like you have to hide it, right? If something crazy, if the speaker, the AV goes out or the, you know, the microphone goes out or whatever, just don't panic and connect, connect in with your people and be ready to pivot. And I think that's pretty similar for hosts and speakers. Now, it's definitely going to be easier for the host too if they do have some kind of support um, at the event. And it depends, of course, on the size of the event. But preferably, you aren't worried about the fact that the the toilet paper ran out when you're trying to leave the whole event. Does that happen often? (laughs) It can happen. It can happen. I mean, I'm always like checking on that. And like, I'll for the trade shows, I would tell the the porters to just bring like a massive box of toilet paper and put it under the sink, you know, because, um, you know, you just don't need to think about those little details 
when you are the leader, if you're able to have the, have that support on site. So I recommend everybody get support on site if they can, even if it's a little small thing. Again, though, going back to who's it for and who's it's not for, make sure it's somebody, it's not that drunk bartender guy, right? <laughs> Friend. It's somebody that, that is up for the job, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that applies for the host and speaker. And then as the attendee, it's really great to set an intention before you go, um, you know, go with an open mind, be ready to meet people, step outside of your comfort zone and just be open to what can happen. Can I ask, you know, for, for the person who's doing their first event, um, you know, and obviously you want that support, somebody who's going to be able to maybe help, you know, bring in lunch or make sure that the coffee's there, whatever. At what point do you need to move from, say, a VA or a friend who's helping with that to an event planner? And what can somebody expect to pay, you know, for the, that basic support, that first event? You know, what what would it cost? Well, that everybody wants an answer to that, and it's impossible to answer because there's so many variables. You know, is it a two-hour workshop? Is it a seven-day retreat, you know, in Alaska? You know, so the price really varies. Um, and I think, I mean, one thing that you can do is you can go to my DIY program and you can, I teach everything that I can possibly teach about how to do it yourself in my group program. Um, and that's just, you know, a thousand dollars or two, um, but you are DIYing it then, but with my help, um, but it really, yeah, it just really depends. So how do you know? I mean. You can definitely, people definitely, I do think generally work up to being able to hire the um, event planner. I mean, you guys did, you started it all yourselves and then you were like, you were in deep and you were like, oh my God, we need some help. And then every year we have expanded my role in the event to take more off your plate, right? So it can, you can work your way up starting yourself if you need to start there um, and expanding your events as you go along. And when you get to the point where you, you, you love it in your heart and you know that the events are so important to you, but you just hate aspects of it. That is a good way to know that it's time to farm out some of it. Um, if you have the budget, if you have the resources to hire out, it's going to make your life way easier if you have a good event planner taking things off your plate. Um, so I don't think there's like one pat answer to that, but hopefully that helps people. Yeah. And again, if I'm looking for someone to hire for my first event, uh, what questions should I ask event planners when I'm interviewing them, especially if I'm, I, I'm not really ready to hire you, Elaine, who has a good reputation and who's been recommended. I'm actually going after people that might be at a lower price point and I might not know them, what should you ask to vet them and make sure that they're legit? I would definitely, you know, look at what types of events they've done in the past and, you know, talk, you can always ask for, um, what do we, it's not referrals, uh, recommendations at, you know, talk to their former clients if you want to. Um, you could ask them what type of experience they have doing the type of event that you're doing. And I'll give you one example here too, that can be really important, I think, for 
people in our types of businesses. I've heard horror stories of coaches, which I think is a similar business to, you know, the copywriting people, um, hire who hired an, a wedding planner to do their event. And then when the coach was making a big offer in the room, that wedding planner was like triggered by the dollars and freaked out on the event leader, you know? So it doesn't mean that every wedding planner shouldn't do any other types of events, but you know, I would think about that. Like, are they focused on one area? So maybe this is going to be a bit of a stretch. Also, you know, there can be examples where you're doing like woo woo kind of stuff at your event and that can freak, can freak people out if they're not kind of familiar with that world. And that's kind of what makes me, I think, unique in the um, event planner realm because I am also a coach. So, and I've been in the online marketing world. So like, I know how all of this works and I've been there and I've done that. And I like the woo woo stuff too. Um, so look and see if you think that they're a good match, um, with what you're doing. And if you're a good match personality wise, you know, if we met and we just clicked and we, I think adore each other. And so that's why it works so smoothly for us. Um, there's sometimes there's just a personality, you know, mismatch. Um, so that would be where I'd start. Yeah, I would echo that. I think personality, a personality match is really important because you're going to spend a lot of time with your event planner and they are there to support you and help you. But like, if you don't get along, that's definitely a problem. And I, I remember even before we hired you, we were talking to someone else who I was scared of her. She was like, really, I was just, I couldn't imagine working with her because I thought she was going to yell at me. Um, so it does change the vibe. Um, but maybe we could use some more yelling. You know, maybe we need an event planner who yells at us a little bit more about <laughs> you know, the things we need to improve. Who knows? Elaine that has sounds- the right balance. You have the right balance of like scolding us gently when we add another speaker, yet you do have this soothing, stress-free vibe, especially when we're at the event and freaking out. Um, and that is so valuable that you don't even think about how valuable that is until you're in the event and Elaine is just calm and um soothing and, and you know gives you pep talks and all that so it is really important to think about well i'm happy to hear that and rob you might have just given me um permission to you know take it let me have it, yeah, it probably <laughs> well, watch out what you asked for just yell at rob just yell, don't yell at me i don't okay, yeah. okay um so my last question i know we're out of time is can we do have a vip package this year and it's something new that we're trying. Um, we're excited about it. People, you know, we have a great group of VIPs who have purchased it. And part of what they get is this extra implementation day on the Saturday following the event. And then they also get some other perks. Um, but the, one of the biggest ones is this dinner event the night before the event kicks off. So it's Wednesday evening. It's a dinner with our speakers and our Think Tank Mastermind members. And we're excited about it this year because, again, we haven't done it. But Elaine, you actually flew to San Diego and were able to visit the restaurant and taste test the food. So can you just take a minute to just talk about the food at the restaurant and what you could experience if you do want to go VIP? Because Elaine came back and was just so impressed with the food. So, And I'm also hungry. So let's just talk about (laughs) the food at this restaurant. Well, and let's put this on there too, which when I mentioned this on our, our meeting call yesterday, 
one of you were like, oh, and you're in New York. Like, yeah, I'm in New York, you guys. So I'm used to having lots of food options and, you know, amazing food. And, um, you know, we found this restaurant to have this private dinner and, you know, we're talking about menus. And then I, I'm luckily I was in San Diego recently for another event that I did. And I, so I was able to go visit the restaurant and, um, it's the best food I ever had in my life. I cannot wait to eat this food again next month with you guys. <laughs> it's Asian inspired, but it's, it's not, so it's really flavorful and different, but it's not like super weird or anything. And, um, I just can't wait to eat it again. Yeah. You're making me hungry now and, and <laughs> a couple hours to lunch. So, um, I'm excited for that as well. And we should mention, you know, if somebody's listening to this and, and they're like, oh yeah, I definitely want that. Like we only have a few VIP tickets left. And so, uh, in fact, they may be gone by the time you listen to it. So if they're interested, they should uh, jump into uh and you earlier said you need to make you need to make the ask to get people to your event and so we are officially inviting everybody who's listening to this podcast right now to come to the copywriter club in real life what we call tcc irl this march 12th through 14th in san diego uh we have a, a negotiated deal with the hotel to you know save a little bit of money there and it's just a fantastic event and so we invite you to come and join us and really discover um, what that's like. And this has been a great interview, a great time with you, Elaine. Tell us a little bit more where we can connect with you online. If somebody wants to do an event or they want to explore, you know, their first event and maybe they want to re get the PDF that you talked about, where can they go? Mm -hmm. They can go to elainewellman.com. The PDF I talked about, they have to just hit me up because that's not the, the freebie that I have on my website. Um, but I'm happy to send the planning cycle if people let me know, or I can, I don't know if you link stuff up, I can give you the link. We can definitely link to it in the show notes for sure. Okay. And um, I have a great Facebook group called the Event Retreat Leaders Lounge that is really hot and happening. And I have, do a lot of, um, you know, free trainings in there and I'm starting to have guest speakers in there. Maybe I'll have you guys in there. That would be fun. Um, after the events over, of course. <laughs> um, and so Facebook and my website are really the best ways to connect and people can message me, you know, on Facebook or send me an email and, um, I'd love to connect and say hello when you come, when I see you on March 12th. All right. Well, thank you, Elaine, for all of your help over the last few years. And with this upcoming event, I know we're in good hands, even when I feel stressed out. I know we're, you know, we're going to be in good shape with you by our side. And thank you for the conversation today. Thanks. It was really fun. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.